0: Hey guys, if you have been a part of our online worship gathering today, you just heard me say what I'm about to say again. Thank you so much for joining us as we kick off our Christmas celebration 2022 uh, this week. I want to encourage you to stay with us every single week as we march towards Christmas. I'm believing that God is going to do something super special, and I'm so excited about this brand new series that I'm calling Have You Heard. Can somebody shout, Have You Heard? And today, I simply want, uh, we're going to focus on this one topic, the sound of hope. Can you say the sound of hope? All right, let's get ready and read our passage. We've got a couple of passages today, beginning with Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 through 18. A little bit of the Christmas story, interesting. Here's what it says. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. And so he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are. And then let's hear what the gospel writer John says uh, from a different angle. In the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him. Nothing was made without Him. In Him there was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light, beginning to skip down, the, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. And then verse 14 says this, so the word became human and made his home among us. There ends the reading. Now, John says, and the light shines in the darkness. For many, this particular season, Christmas, is all about the light. Can somebody shout lights? lights. When I talk about lights, what I'm really referring to is uh, this notion that represents uh, the feelings that we engage with around this season called Christmas. Feelings of joy and celebration, gift-giving and gift-receiving, feelings of love and fun, and oh my goodness, think about all of the great music, the Christmas carols ranging from uh, Silent Night and Hark to harrow Angels Singing, and all the way to some of the great pop uh, tunes like all I want for Christmas is you. Yeah, that's Sister Mariah Carey right there. <laughs> and then there are the Hallmark movies. Can somebody shout light? Yeah, these remarkable feelings that we uh, we we want to engage with around this season. I'm a huge Hallmark uh, movie fan, particularly during the Christmas season. And my wife and my daughter have historically just... You know, they, 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 they've given me a lot of grief about it. They say, listen, the movies are so simple, they're so contrived. The likelihood of them happening is like, oh my goodness, this is like gonna never happen or rarely happen. It's just not realistic. So the other day I had a nice revelation. So I called my wife after I was in the middle of watching the movie and took a break. I said, hey, babe, check it out. So you know why I watch the Hallmark movies? She said, why? I said, because they're not intended to be a kind of an everyday experience. They are intended to highlight that once in a million opportunity, that once in a million event, that miracle. And you know why I love watching that once in a million event miracle hallmark (laughs) thing? Because that's our that's our marriage. That's exactly what happened. We had a hallmark, once in a million miracles kind of get together. I mean, my wife is flying to Grand State University. The Lord speaks to her, whispers and says, you're going to meet your husband on the first day. Come on now. Uh, she gets there and, you know, I'm up under a tree. My life is falling apart. A relationship i mean, in was falling apart. And the Lord speaks to her and says, there is your husband. Go over and talk, speak to him. You can almost hear the music playing in the background. <laughs> And she comes over and she says, excuse me, do you work for the Student Government Association? I look up and I'm about to go in this field and suddenly something, it's the Holy Spirit touches me and I get up. I go over and I take her by her hands. And 11 months later, we're married. You see, once in a million experiences. And then I call my daughter. I say, Lord, check it out. And I told her everything that I just shared with you guys. I said, listen, you need to stop giving me grief. The fact of the matter is uh, uh, this once in a million kind of Hallmark event, if it had not happened, you wouldn't be here. So every time I watch a Hallmark movie, I'm celebrating, guys. I'm celebrating the miracles of God. I'm reflecting back on what God has done in my life. Shout light. Yeah, you see, Christmas is about light, joy, excitement. One more quick story. As I think about Christmas, it was around Christmas that God dramatically called me into ministry. I I, I remember for a week I was praying about whether or not God was calling me to be a preacher. And I told him, I need you to make it clear. And I had just read Luke chapter 1 where Zachariah and Elizabeth... I couldn't have children. Zachariah went into the temple, and a big angel was there. And I was like, God, I need you to make it clear, but don't you send no angels to show up in my house, all right? <laughs> and the day before Christmas, check it out. I'm jumping in my car here to see my granduncle pull over to the gas station on my way back to the car. A young man who wasn't even from the state just passing through came walking behind me and said, excuse me, sir. And after a few seconds, he said, listen, I just want you to know, when you walked out of the filling station, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said to tell you he's calling you to preach his word. Wow. So Christmas is special. I understand what it's like to be focused on the light of Christmas. And yet John says the light shines in the darkness. Here's the insight that I want you to wrap your mind around. Christmas is about both light and darkness that shows up in our feelings and in our realities check this out Luke reinforces this theme of light and darkness it starts off by telling us about these shepherds these kind of questionable characters who are marginalized and part of the outside group they're they're surrounded by darkness out taking care of the sheep and then suddenly a light shines around them and an angel shows up and here's what the angel says don't be afraid he says I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. Can you say all the people? Yes. Even if you're feeling uh, uh, filled with anxiety and depression, and if you're feeling isolated and alone and forgotten and invisible, you are a part of all the people. You are especially a part of all the people. And if you're feeling celebrative and full of joy, you too are a part of all the people. What's the sin of this? Well, listen, he says, I'm bringing you good news. Shout good news, good news. Uh, Can you say, have you heard? Yes. Have you heard what? Yes, that the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today, the angel says, in Bethlehem, David's City, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in the manger. Have you heard some good news has been announced and the light shines in the darkness? You see, for some people, this time of the year is about light. But for others among us, this time of the year is more about darkness. Yeah. in our feelings and in our reality. You know, I just turned uh, fifty-eight years old this past week. I just celebrated a whole week of celebrating, <laughs> and had a great time, and I love all the different ways that people joined me in that celebration. I'm grateful. But as I was kind of reflecting the other, day, actually on my birthday, I remembered that when I turned fifty-one years old, uh, my staff or our staff threw me a wonderful. Wonderful birthday party. Now, I'm not really a party kind of guy, but I am a gift kind of guy. Let's keep that straight. (laughs) But historically, I'm not a party kind of guy, but this was like the bomb. I mean, they surprised me. I walked in, and they had planned uh, a soul food birthday party. And listen, let me just tell you what the menu were. Catfish, barbecued ribs, college greens, jambalaya. Corn bread muffins, then they threw in some peach cobbler. It was the Bob. And then check it out, man. They serenaded me with, the, with soul food music. I had Stevie Wonder and The Temptations and Marvin Gaye. And then they gave me like the best gift ever two albums full, packed with cards and pages, and notes of how volunteers and staff members. Uh, we're expressing their gratitude and appreciation and love for me. Totally unforgettable. It was awesome. Can somebody say light? And yet, as I reflected on that, as as, as joy-filled and loved filled as that experience was for me, the fact of the matter is I could only engage it with about 20%. The other 80% of me was just numb. The reason being that my wife and our family had just lost her father, my beloved father-in-law had just lost him. And we were going through this horrendous period of grief. Right around my birthday, just hitting into Christmas, I was numb. I could see the love. I could see the light. I could taste it. I I was surrounded by it. I I wanted to engage it. I did the best I could. But there was a whole lot of darkness, pain that I was wrestling with in that season. Is that not like somebody that's watching me today? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're dealing with feeling numb because you're coming into a Christmas season having lost a child or a parent. A spouse, Or maybe you're a part of the sandwich generation, you know, the, the, the person who has to take care of aging parents on the one hand and, and contend with uh, young adults on the other hand. And sometimes both sides are in crises. Or maybe you're in the midst of a broken relationship or marriage that you've poured your life into and you're, you're almost to conclude that it's just never going to be fruitful. You're never going to find what God what you had hoped to find in this marriage. Or maybe you're simply the person who you woke up this morning and you just felt like, I just feel so alone. You, know, you got a job, you've got things kind of going right, but just how you feel, I just feel so alone. Well, if these descriptions, or perhaps you're the student, who you have poured everything you know to pour into the semester, and you still came out at the end of this semester as you move into your Christmas break without the grades that you'd hoped for and prayed for, and you feel a bit defeated. With well, any of these feelings of yours, I just want you to say that they don't displace you. They don't make you a misfit in the Christmas season. As a matter of fact, I want you to know, A, you can be honest. I'm calling this out because I want you to know God sees you. I'm aware of you. You can be honest about your feelings. And I want you to hear this. Christmas is especially for you. Especially for you. So you may be wondering, how is that? Well, back to this theme. Christmas is this unique combination of light and darkness. And light shine into the darkness of joy and pain. Light shine into the darkness of good times and bad times. When you just think about the Christmas stories, you see the light, right? It's right out in front of us. You you saw the light as the angels showed up, and, and and the shepherds was filled with the joy of the announcement: Jesus is born. You 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 heard it in the ecstaticness of the angels as they sang, uh, "Peace on earth, goodwill towards men." You 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 experienced the light as the Magi and wise or wise men came into Bethlehem uh, with the spirit of of curiosity and searching, where is he filled? Where is he born, the King of the Jews? You, you were experiencing the light. You got the light part. Yeah, that's part of the story, right? Folks gathered around the, the baby in the manger, full of excitement. And yet, right in the middle of it, there's like the deepest expression of darkness that one could ever imagine. Herod is really the the the, the source of. Of, of, of horrendous evil right here in the Christmas story. He's the ruler of the Jewish people, and he hears that Jesus is born king of the Jews, and he feels afraid that Jesus will displace him. So he, he, he inquires of the Magi. He sends them to find out where Jesus is. He instructs him to come back and tell him, let me know where he is so I can go celebrate him and worship him, he says. But really, he just wants to kill him. The Magi, they actually find Jesus. They worship him. It's a wonderful time. They go the opposite way. They know the king would, would kill him, Herod would, and so they, they never go back. And they had followed a star to get there, and so when Herod figured it all out, he figured out he's been outwitted. Here's what the text actually says. So let's go back to the text and hear what it says. It says, uh, uh, it says look, when Herod, was, he was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him, and so he sent Watch this, soldiers to kill all of the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under. Herod, brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, and Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted because they were dead. Do you see the darkness right there in the Christmas story? Can you hear the cry in, in, in that phrase where it says, and Rachel refused to be comforted. Right there in that phrase comes this unspeakable sorrow and Rachel refused to be comforted. Right there in that phrase comes outrage and anger of, of these mothers. Uh, Ramah was about 11 miles away from, from, from uh, Bethlehem. And the pain and the sorrow was so great, it says, that the sounds reached all the way to Ramah, And you could hear the outrage and the anger that these mothers and parents had. Anger at God, anger at life, anger at Harold. You could hear somebody right in that phrase. And mothers refused to be comforted. You could hear I don't understand. You could hear the cry, this is not fair. You could hear someone shout, no, no, no. Some of you are listening to me. These are the feelings that you are approaching this Christmas season. You're right in the middle of darkness. Or here's Here's some insight I want to share with you that at the end of the day, Christmas includes space for every human emotion, including inexpressible grief born out of unimaginable loss. So let me just take a few moments right here. And for those of you who are really trying to get through your grief, uh, work through this season with grief, we have a, a special workshop that we have prepared Uh, It's right on the screen, December the 12th, and all the information is there. We want to help you. So you just come on, go to the website and register for it. It's an online event. We want to walk with you. But I want you to know at the end of the day that you're not the only one struggling with darkness and pain and sorrow, and perhaps feeling disconnected from Christmas. And, and as I said earlier, the more honest you are about how you are feeling, the more honest we are about how we are feeling, the more we recognize how desperately we need Christmas. See, you're not by yourself. At the end of the day, all of us are struggling with trying to keep our head above the darkness, if you will. Trying to find the light in the midst of the darkness. I mean, you know, there's just look at all the loss we're dealing with recently. The massive COVID losses over the last several years and has impacted just about every single one of us. And then I read in a a New York Times uh, an article uh, just a couple of days ago that from January to mid November, there have been 609 mass shootings. 21 of them have had five or more fatalities. You will recall, for example, some of the worst among these horrendous shootings. May 14th in Buffalo, New York, a young man drove 200 miles just to shoot and kill African-Americans in a supermarket. Ten died and three were wounded. A few days later, uh, someone walked into a, uh, a Taiwanese Presbyterian church started shooting, five people were wounded, and one was killed. May 24th, Uvalde, Texas, we are all painfully aware of 19 elementary children that was gunned down and two teachers who lost their lives. Most recently, November the 19th, uh, an LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado Springs it was somebody who's, who just had it in their mind that they just want to kill people who are part of that community. Five people died. Others was wounded in this ungodly attack. You see, we're all trying to struggle to keep our heads above the, 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 the water of darkness, if you will, trying to find the light. And then just go ahead and add Ukraine to the mix and uncertain economy realities and whatever stress and anxiety that's, that's happening in your house. Just add all of that in. And, and, and at the end of the day, guys, you'll recognize that you're not by yourself. We're all trying to find the light in the midst of the darkness. We're in this thing together. Somebody shout hope. Hope. I heard this powerful acronym for hope. It is holding on to positive expectations. But here's the question, right? How do we hold on to positive expectations given all of the stuff that I've just described? How in the world, when it looks like the world itself is sliding off of the cliff, how do we hold on? Well, here's the answer. Here's my answer for you. You, you, you want to listen for the sound of hope. Can somebody say the sound of hope? It is John who tells us that something unmistakable and irreversible happened when Jesus was born. And that whatever that was, it's good news for grieving parents, whether they were in Bethlehem a couple of thousand years ago or in Uvalde a few months ago. That there's something that happened when Jesus was born that's irreversible, come on now, that is unmistakable. And it is good news even to that person who woke up this morning saying, I feel like I am so what was this thing that happened that was irreversible that John captures in a profound way? You know, Matthew and Luke they give us the narrative details of the birth of Christ, but 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 John he takes it to the philosophical and the theological. He says that the shift happened, you know, was 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 was, was, was ontological and, and 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 left the world radically different. He describes this shift. Essentially, here's the good news. Every time you hear the announcement that Jesus is born, you are listening to the sound of hope. And here's how John describes why that is true. He says uh, in verse 1, he says this, in the beginning there was the word. He's talking about Jesus. He says Jesus is eternal. Before there was anything, Jesus existed, not just when he was born and laid in a manger, he says, you know, the Word was with God, but here's the deal. The Word was God. He's, he's fully God, divine. And he says, all things were made by him, and nothing was made without him. And in him, in Jesus, listen, was life, meaning Jesus is the source of life. And that life was the light of all people. In that moment, John is describing what we, will take us a couple thousand years to discover, or, but, but he's describing the Big Bang uh, uh, theory, guys. That's what he's doing. He said, he said at some point in creation, there was nothing but darkness. But then Jesus shows up on the scene, and there's an explosion. There's a bang, and light happens, and, 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 what, and what comes after light comes life. And then he says, and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never, the New Living Translation, extinguish it. Oh my goodness, do you get that? Here's what he says, that the moment light shows up, darkness is now limited that the moment life shows up on the scene, death has now been limited. Uh, uh, and, and now we have, and, and in as much as that deals with evil, come on now, and hatred, uh, 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 that, that, that the moment love gets into operation, all of that is limited. And what he's saying is, is, that, is that when Jesus shows up, come on now, on the earth when he is born, that remarkable shift happens yet again. Light, life, and love wins. Wins. Notice what the angel said. I bring you good news. Somebody shout good news. He says, I bring you good news. He did not say, I bring you good advice. He says, I bring you good news there's a difference between good news and good advice now good advice is important you need to have space in your life for good advice many of my messages we try to uh, put in our messages good advice practical things that will help you you know good advice has to do with directions and instructions and and practical tips about what you can do to make your life better that's good advice But good advice will never rise to the level of what John declares and Luke declares and Matthew declares and the birth of Jesus declares as good news. Evangelion is that Greek word from which we get the word evangelical, right? It it means good news. You see, good advice is focused on helping you, but good news is all about saving you. Good advice is focused on empowering you and me. But good news is all about rescuing you and me. Good advice is focused on what I need to do for me and you need to do for you. But the good news is focused on what God has done in Jesus for all of us. It is that one thing that is irreversible and undeniable that has shifted the ultimate the course of history. Wow. And it's outcome. Uh, let's look at it a little closer. Here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. Listen to this. Evangelion means good news. The evan, Evangel is the Greek word for angel, the carrier of good news. Back in the historical day of, of the days of the biblical days, when the king went out with the army to fight, they'd leave the city go over the mountain down in the valley, and they were fighting and they were warring. And when the victory was won, even when the, when, the, when the back of the enemy had been broken. Even if they had some more fighting to do before what the soldiers call it in order to mop it all up, right? But, but, but when the, it was clear that the victory had been won, the, evan, the, the, the evangel, right? The, 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 the angel. As a matter of fact, the word for angel, Greek word for angel, it translates messenger. And, and, and it's the same word, angel, messenger. We don't know whether celestial or human. It, it requires context for that. So the, even the messenger, the guy that told me, you know, at the filling station, God is calling you. That was a messenger. Come on now. The angel, the angel, the herald would run back to the city from the battle and he would say to the people in the city, he would say, the king and the army has defeated the enemy. Come on now. And he would say, he would say, at the end of the day, he would say, the king has won and we are victorious. Not because of what we've done here in the city, but because of what the king has done on our behalf, that is the announcement. That is the sound of hope, y'all. Come on. That it allows us to hold on to positive expectation. because, watch this, Jesus' birth has shifted the ultimate outcome of human history. The king has won the victory. And here's what this means. That whatever battle you may be fighting right now, You may lose that battle. I may lose my most immediate battle. But the king has won the war. The war has been won. You know, there are some people in this moment, they think, you know, I'm not religious. I don't want to be a Christian or this or that. You know, I just want to be a really good person. And I feel like if I'm just a good person and I try to, and I release good energy into the world and into the universe, things will just work out. Well, it's, it's uh, Pastor Tim Keller that points out, those folk will usually say, I don't have a religious doctrine, but in fact, they have a doctrine. And it's, the, it's, the, it's called the doctrine of salvation by works. But here's the reality. Here's the reality that, that good advice Oh, salvation by work is limited. Let's start. Good advice is limited. You know why it's limited? We know this by our experience. You know, our immaturity limits good advice. Our inadequacy limits it. The traumas we've had in our lives gets in the way and stops us from being able to carry out a lot of the good advice that we want to carry out. On our best days, there's a lot of imperfections that just keep tripping us up. Good advice is good, but it cannot save us. The reality is I can't save me from me, and humanity cannot save itself. Salvation by works does not work. But the good news, y'all, come on now, is that, is that in Jesus Christ, the announcement he was born means, y'all, that God through Jesus will save me despite of me. He will, he will save me in the midst of my imperfections. And the announcement is that despite the political craziness that's going on in the world and the trajectory that the world appears to be on, The announcement is that before it's all over, come on now, that God through his son Jesus will save even humanity. Ah, the victory has been won. See, that baby born grew up. (laughs) He showed us how to live in partnership with the father. He was fully human and fully divine. And then he ends up on Calvary's cross. And there he engages evil in the, in the most powerful way. And he takes up the battle of justice. And he dies on that cross. And he facilitates grace and forgiveness for our lives. And then he rises from the dead. See, Christmas is always pointing towards Easter. And he rises. And when he rises from the dead, he shakes up all creation. And it's in that very moment, come on now, that we understand the full intent behind the words, Jesus was born because, because he demonstrates that he's faithful. He demonstrates that he's unfailing. He demonstrates that he's, he's conquered the ultimate battle. You can trust him. The birth of Jesus is the sound of hope. It means that life will defeat death, that light will defeat darkness, that love will defeat hatred and evil. It actually has. We just got to live out the details. So it frees us to be on Jesus' side, the side of justice, the side of goodness, but recognizing that at the end of the day, he ultimately achieves the victory. Oh, I can hear somebody, though. This notion of him changing the ultimate outcome Leads to what I call the ultimate question. Somebody's asking, okay, I got that, Pastor, good. It's going to all work out at the end. But can somebody please tell me, how do I make it through what I'm going through right now? How do I make it to the end? I don't feel like I can make it to the end. And that's where the final verse comes in. And it's the good news verse. Come on. It's the other part of this, 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 this note, this sound of hope. Uh, the the, the of the class, here it is. So the word became human. And made his home among us. Did you get it? Jesus' birth means your help has arrived. (laughs) This is the one who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That whatever you're going through, come on now. The God of the universe declared that I'll show up. Emmanuel, God with you. I'll be with you i reminded of a final story. My son was about 10 years old. I took him in to get some shots, you know, the, his uh, you know, vaccination shots, etc. He's 30-something years old now, 31, so this is quite a ways ago. And he hated, he hated needles. And, and uh, the nurse uh, got ready to give him the shot, and he started fighting. And I said, Jonathan, look at me. And he, he would look at me, and then he looked back at the needle, and he started fighting. I said, Jonathan, look at me. And he would look at me. And while he was looking the nurse, put that needle in his arm. And I said, keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. And she boom, gave him a shot. And Jonathan and I both survived. <laughs> Here is the good news, guys, that I got to go home, y'all. Come on now. Here's the good news. You know what Christmas is? Christmas is God shouting through Jesus, look at me. That when you're going through trouble, when you're going through divorce, when you're trying to work your way through addiction, when you're trying to work your way through depression and and death and grief and and feeling uh, washed out and and, and locked out, Christmas shouts, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. He is with you and that reality is made known among the people of God so that's why I say show up at church be a part of a community where you can be honest about how you're feeling and collectively in partnership with Jesus we can declare we're going to be with you as you push through but just know the victory is already won ah Somebody shout, good news, good news, good news. Jesus' birth is the ultimate sound of hope. Listen for that sound. Amen, amen, and amen.